0: Now to the nationwide search for the members of the mob who stormed the Capitol. Dozens of people already arrested and officials expect hundreds of suspects could eventually be charged. Our chief global affairs correspondent, Martha Raddatz, has the latest on that. Good morning, Martha.
1: Good morning, Amy. The rioters converged on Washington from all over the country. And this morning, investigators from coast to coast are trying to track down as many as they can, working through thousands of images and tips. They broke through, it's off! This morning, more alarming video from the violent pro-Trump mob attacking the Capitol. Watch as these rioters hurl a fire extinguisher at police officers, several hit in the head. Homicide detectives investigating the death of Officer Brian Sicknick have been looking into reports he may have been hit by a fire extinguisher before collapsing hours later but it is unclear whether Sicknick is in this video. Videos like this one showing an officer being crushed by rioters, making the D.C. police chief emotional.
2: It makes me sick to my stomach to to see that, that video and that officer, obviously he was afraid for his life.
1: Now, FBI field officers in all 50 states are combing through videos and images along with some 45,000 tips.
2: I have talked to officers that said who have uh, uh, done two tours in Iraq and said that this has, was, was, was more, was scarier to them than their time in combat.
1: The FBI urgently hunting for this man, suspected of planting these two powerful pipe bombs in the RNC and DNC headquarters, releasing new photographs highlighting the suspect's distinctive backpack and shoes. Also asking for help identifying this man, in this sickening image, carrying a Confederate flag through the Capitol. Hundreds could face arrest in the coming days. So far, only 70 arrests have been made. Jake Angeli, who appeared at multiple pro-Trump events dressed in the costume he wore during the attack on Congress, now in an Arizona jail, facing violent entry and disorderly conduct charges, where his mother says he has refused to eat since turning himself in this weekend. He gets very sick if he doesn't eat organic food, literally will get physically sick. Adam Johnson, the Florida man caught on camera carrying House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's lectern, charged with three counts, including theft of government property. He was released on bond after posting $25,000 in bail. And now Ohio Congressman Tim Ryan revealing that up to 15 law enforcement officers are under investigation for their response to the assault.
3: It was appalling to be side by side with the heroes that were doing everything right and then having others taking selfies uh, with the uh, domestic terrorists.
1: THE CAPITOL POLICE DEPARTMENT SAYING SEVERAL OFFICERS ARE CURRENTLY SUSPENDED AND THAT THEY ARE PLANNING TO, QUOTE, INVESTIGATE THESE BEHAVIORS FOR DISCIPLINARY ACTION, UP TO AND INCLUDING TERMINATION. AND IT IS NOT JUST LAW ENFORCEMENT INVESTIGATING ITS OWN. THERE WERE A NUMBER OF FORMER MILITARY INVOLVED IN THE SIEGE OF THE CAPITOL AND POSSIBLY ACTIVE DUTY. THE PENTAGON ASKING FOR HELP IN IDENTIFYING ANY SERVICE MEMBERS INVOLVED IN THE ATTACK or promoting extremism, Robin. Beyond disturbing. All right, Martha. Thank you.
4: Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio. Where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Tonight we take a look, the day democracy cried in our nation, January sixth and the insurrection. What does it mean? How did it happen? And how do we avoid that from ever happening again? This is Agency Radio. Hang on till you see, folks. We take off right now. There you have it. I'm Lamont Banks, along with David Banks, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zappolo, Samson Widow, William Williams, Clinton Stewart, Dennis Merritt, and Cliff Stewart. Tonight, and the entire AJC Radio team, as we take a look at one of the most horrific happenings that took place in our country on January 6th, and we're going to deal with that, and AJC Radio tonight looks back at that day and have a discussion of how does that happen in the United States. And we're going to deal with that tonight. And uh, feel free, folks, if you'd like to call into the show. We'd like to hear your thoughts at 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628. And we're going to get into this conversation. William, uh, welcome back. And I'd like to give you an opportunity to chime in, if you will, on the importance of this conversation and... Exactly, what are we looking at here, and why is this discussion so critically important, given that lives were lost on this very, very difficult day?
5: Well, I think there's several things that need to we need to understand, and uh, first of all, let me say thanks, everybody. I'm glad to be back. but um, you know the importance of and the significance of this event is that we need to understand what happened, the breakdown, the support. The security breaking down is at the Capitol. Those guards that actually let the, some of the rioters in, we've seen seen that. I was watching a video uh, yesterday, actually. It had one of the Capitol police officers there, and he was describing himself as a big man, as black, black man, African American man, six seven, and he was saying he watched his uh, fellow officers being threatened and beaten with with poles that had uh, Blue Lives Matter flags on it. And he said, is that not ironic that that they're saying blue lives matter in support of the the police as they were threatening with the with the sticks that they were holding the flags with. And it's so significant. So what really I saw was the double standard. The double standard of what we're seeing in our country. The you know, this these guys actually you know, a lot of them will probably not get charged. Some of those that we saw on camera may
4: not get charged. There was a lot that will
5: And some of them will get away with this.
4: Well, and uh, look, tonight my concern is really, uh, and those are the conversations we have to have, Uh, but the families, uh, the loved ones, the children of these officers, uh, and the the casualties here that took place is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And I I began to take a look, as I studied for this show today, the crowd was massive. I believe the number they gave was over 500,000 people ascended on Washington, D.C. Uh, of course, that many people, of course, didn't get in the Capitol, but they were stormed in a very, very violent way. And uh, we've always supported protests. You know, if you feel like something's happened that is, is unjust, uh, but to violently take the lives of individuals, Uh and to threaten the lives of members of Congress, of any bystander uh, that may have been there. We know uh, uh, Senator Reskin, his daughter, was actually uh, on the, on the, in the Capitol that day. And I'm going to let you hear from him momentarily with, with his emotional response to what happened here. Ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it. It doesn't matter what side of po- politics that you find yourself on. What happened on January 6th was a disgrace. And anybody that was involved with that has to be brought to justice, regardless of uh, your party affiliation. When lives are being lost and you have a mob of that magnitude, uh, it becomes one of the most dangerous situations that we've been in. David, your thoughts on that?
6: Well, overall, I think that there's enough blame to go around uh, with uh, the devolving rhetoric of both the the Democrat and the Republican party that has been proven divisive and has sold a lot of discord in this country between those that live in the city, those that live in rural America. Um, and I'll I'll be getting into some of those things like that, uh, where I've seen, uh, division stoked by politicians. Uh, and then obviously president Trump, former president Trump now, uh, it's not a, a reach to given the, the prior rhetoric to think that people are going to explode. It's, it's been, it's been burning and stewing for a long time. You see it on both sides. You see the, uh, the black lives matter where you got uh radical people doing things. And then on this side, but the language that got, uh, the country to this point has been uh, propagated by the media and, uh, And divisive language and and demeaning of people on both sides has been going on for quite some time now, dividing this country and uh, creating an environment where something like this can happen.
4: Well, something has to happen. And at the end of the day, as I said moments ago, uh, blame the past around, but this is, I I can begin to understand why uh, people say words of the president of the United States matter. Uh, I may not even be a major Trump supporter, But if I hear rhetoric, you got people out there that are extremists. So if the president comes out and says something that could be perceived as an invitation to go do something, uh, that's why the language really, really matters coming from the the president of the United States. No matter who's in office, I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, whatever, you must be careful. Because people tend to think, I'm going to do the president a favor. Let's go up here, and when you get unity and people become unified regardless, what that unification will bring, uh, you have situations just like this. We're going to get into that conversation. Uh, Joining us before that time is going to be a Mr. Uh, Cornelius Bowser. He is also has actually done protests in Washington, D.C. We're going to get his thoughts, his perception of what has happened. But I'm going to let those folks introduce themselves and go forward. But just so you know what's ahead, this conversation has to happen. What causes a mob of people? In a, in a nation divided, as we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, ascend on the capital of the United States, thus the title, The Day Democracy Cried. And what was that for? It was really clear. To bring havoc to a nation that was already divided. We're going to deal with all of that on the other side of the break. This is Agency Radio. We'll be right back.
7: She's coined a new term for the times we're living in.
8: Race for it, Parents of America.
7: Alternative facts. Alternative facts.
9: What? Oh. What? Alternative, Alternative facts? facts? Lies. We fix. Also known as stereotypes or false narratives. It's like saying Black history began with slavery. That's offensive. Or that we'll never see another Black president in our lifetime. What about me? This Black History Month, we're focusing on... The facts, not unturned facts. Indisputable truth, real. Black magic is real. Black boy joy is real. Black wealth is real. Black beauty is real. Black support is real. Black excellence is real. It's real. Black love, that's real. Black lives are real. I'm real. Black history didn't begin with slavery. And it doesn't end with the Obamas, whom we love and miss, no, like, really, we really miss
4: you. Facts. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now, add a wrongful conviction to that, life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should they ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today, one 855 We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are, our future.
6: A barred police officer who shot and killed a man. When I
7: first saw the Oscar footage, like a lot of people here in Oakland, I was outraged.
6: As soon as I heard about it and I went online and I seen what had happened, tears came down my eyes. It
5: was something that was very alarming as a police officer and as a citizen of Oakland.
10: It was like such a blatant murder. You have a city in trauma. anyone that's seen that
4: and looks at it is in trauma. My hope is that people will express their concern with police brutality, but they will do so in constructive ways that don't include violence. We
5: cannot perpetrate this cycle of harm and violence
4: in this
7: community. Because
6: we do have to live here and they terrorize the city and it's only going to make it worse for
7: us. They killed our young so you, can, you, can. you can protest, you can try to make a change, but there is a positive way you can do it. And make
6: sure we let the police know and that we're aware that stuff ain't right out here. We're trying to fix it. In
7: a way that is about using your voice for justice. And making Oakland a safer place for everyone to live and get along as one. Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice.
11: justice. Please have a seat. I'll be honest, resume not what I'm used to. I know. Okay, so what would you bring to my company? What do you need? I need a hard worker.
7: Good. I've got two part-time jobs, and to help my parents pay the bills. I
11: need problem solving skills.
7: I got through high school without a car, a phone, or a computer.
11: No college degree, though.
7: Not yet, but life's taught me a lot, and I'm ready for more.
11: Well, you're not the typical kind of candidate that I hire. But you are exactly what I'm looking for.
10: (laughs) Your company could be missing out on the candidates it needs most. Learn how to find, cultivate, and train a great pool of untapped
12: talent at
11: gradsoflife.org.
12: I wanted to be in the military since I was a a kid. I served in the United States Air Force.
11: I
7: served a total of 16 years.
12: I was deployed uh, 13 times. On my second deployment, four bombs hit my vehicle. And at 19 years old, that's the first time I ever
5: saw
7: somebody die. Coming back, I was raging.
12: I started having pretty horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot. I felt worthless. I guess I never recognized it in myself.
5: Eventually, one day, I just walked into the VA hospital and
8: said I'd like to see somebody. Don't suffer alone. You got to find... That link with somebody, it'll make you let it go. It all starts with going to the VA. There's a
5: whole community of veterans that just want to help you out. It's for the guys who couldn't come back, so you owe it to them to live well. Because they're not here with their families.
4: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight as we take a look back at the tragedy and the loss on January 6th uh, regarding the insurrection, a day that democracy cried is very fitting because our democracy in this country came to the brink of collapse. We address these issues to remember not only the tragedy of that day, but the lives lost and the pain that was left, and the stain, if you will, that will forever be remembered on January 6, 2021. Tonight, we take a look at, we ask the questions, how does something like this happen? How does a group of people penetrate the United States Capitol with Capitol Police, uh, every available tool to avoid these types of tragedies? Why would they avoid it? And what caused this tragedy to happen, Samson? Your thoughts as we go forward.
12: Well, I mean, if you look at how the, everything got started, you know, you can point whatever finger, whichever direction you really want to. Uh, everybody out there, you know, you might have your own partisan belief, but the fact of the matter is, is that citizens got together and they stormed in there to disrupt our entire government process. You might not agree with it, you might not like it, but the fact of the matter is, is they were threatening duly elected representatives. Uh, on top of that, I mean granted like you said before we we fully support the right to protest here but there is a way to peacefully protest and get your point across but there the fact of the matter is there were lives lost in this whole ordeal people were uh stepped on and hospitalized and killed shot i mean all kinds of things went wrong during what what could have been a peaceful demonstration instead as you mentioned, lives were lost. Over 268 people now have already been brought up on charges, and they completely disrupted you know, a, a day in the government where we should have been swearing in a new president. Now we have to deal with people that are out there and sure. you, you know, just acting out on aggression that some would say that the president at the time, uh, Donald Trump, invited.
4: Okay, well, look, we're going to deal with both of those issues. Joining us momentarily, Uh, is Cornelius Bowser. He's our first guest tonight. But what we're going to do first is play the clip. I want you to know something. I I remember sitting down watching Senator Raskin become very emotional as his little girl was um, at the Capitol that day. Uh, Senator Raskin had already suffered a loss in his family. And to have to go into the Senate doing what he's been elected to do. It really was heart-wrenching. Let's hear it.
13: My youngest daughter, Tabitha, was there with me on Wednesday, January 6th. It was the day after we buried her brother, our son Tommy. The saddest day of our lives. Also, there was my son-in-law, Hank, who's married to our oldest daughter, Hannah, and I I consider him a son, too. And then there was a sound I will never forget, the sound of pounding on the door like a battering ram, the most haunting sound I ever heard, and I will never forget it. My chief of staff, Julie Tagan, was with Tabitha and Hank locked and barricaded in that office, the kids hiding under the desk, placing what they thought were their final texts and whispered phone calls to say their goodbyes. They thought they were gonna die. I hugged them and I apologized and I told my daughter Tabitha, who's 24 and a brilliant algebra teacher in Teach for America, Now, I told her how sorry I was, and I promised her that it would not be like this again the next time she came back to the Capitol with me. And you know what she said? She said, Dad, I don't want to come back to the Capitol. (sighs) Of all the terrible, brutal things I saw and I heard on that day, And since then, that one hit me the hardest. That and watching someone use an American flagpole, the flag still on it, to spear and pummel one of our police officers, ruthlessly, mercilessly, tortured by a pole with a flag on it that he was defending with his very life. People died that day. Officers ended up with head damage and brain damage. People's eyes were gouged. Officer had a heart attack. Officer lost three fingers that day. Two officers have taken their own lives. Senators, this cannot be our future. This cannot be the future of America. We cannot have presidents inciting and mobilizing mob violence against our government and our institutions because they refuse to accept the will of the people under the Constitution of the United States.
4: Well, there you have it. Heart-wrenching as Senator Ashton began to tell the story of that day. And again, as Samson alluded to, regardless of what side of politics you find yourself, one thing is we have one common thing uh, that we we relate to each other. And that's the human spirit, being a human being uh, and considering what we do and how we do it. This is why the tragedy struck the heart of this nation uh, and we're going to get to that right now before we go any further I would like to introduce our guest Cornelius Bowser and we are very very uh, uh, honored really uh, Mr. Bowser to have you are you with us? Yes I am yes thank you so much Mr. Thank Bowser you for having me. joining you're very very welcome uh, and we are as you can tell the emotions here run very high on this issue uh mm-hmm. and we are looking forward to your perspective. From what you've heard thus far, uh, go ahead and give us your thoughts, but just introduce, introduce yourself first to our listeners, uh, and why this okay. topic tonight is something that's very important. Yes. Um, of course I'm Courtney father Pastor Chair of the
10: Apostolic Church in San Diego and also program director of Shafat Outreach, a community outreach program. And um, yes, of course, this issue is very important because it it um it, it it aims at the very heart of what we're supposed to stand for. I kind of see this as a coup d'etat. You know, it was, it was a uprising to overthrow the government the way I see it, and at bare minimum to prevent the peaceful transfer of power. And mm-hmm. I believe that, you know, what we saw, especially uh, uh, with the white supremacists the white nationalism, uh, it, blew the, it blew the lid off, right, as, as far as what we normally see and how we see protests. I, I don't see this really as a protest. This was like... Uh, as I mentioned, the coup d'état, and it sets a double standard, right? I, I was in 2017. I was in Washington D.C. as you a, a, uh, know at a protest in regards to immigration and things like that, and dealing with DACA, and got arrested on on the steps, the same steps that those individuals were on. But our protests were peaceful. It was a peaceful protest when they came, well, you know we refused to move from the steps, and they arrested us. And it was simple as that. But what I saw there. Uh, it's, uh, to a certain degree, it seemed like, you know, the doors were open wide open for them to come and do what they were doing. I didn't see anyone getting arrested at that moment in time uh, what I saw on the TV. And what really kind of uh, stands out to me when I when I look at what happened there is the significant number of police that were uh, involved. I think, uh, you know, every time we turn around in the media, we're hearing about another officer that either is being investigated or was arrested for being involved in it. And these are the people that were supposed to be upholding law, but they were breaking the law. Um, The officer that that got killed, the Capitol Police officer, one of the things I always look at is when he got killed, I I looked here in San Diego at the uh, uh, San Diego Police Officer Association and the San Diego Police Department as far as what their response would be. And it was pretty quiet in regards to this officer. No one was offering condolences to the family or anything. And I wonder why, and, and then I found out that, you know, the largest police organization, I believe is called the Fraternal Order of Police, actually endorsed Trump in 2020. And, and that's, you know, we have to understand that a lot of this is tied into how our, our communities are policed and how they view us when we talk about white supremacy and um, uh, uh, the oppression of, of black people specifically. And generally, you know, people of color, but black folks are impacted the most when you look at that. And I, I, um, I was looking at a study that they were talking about in, in regards to 2020, that the Department of Homeland Security had issued a uh, threat assessment. And one of the things that they were outlining is that white supremacy is uh, is, a, is the most persistent and lethal threat in, in our country. But yet, you know, uh, there was nothing done and there was no resource redirected uh, to confront this threat. And so for the most part, when we see the double standard of how if, 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 if black folks and brown folks and uh, was talking about going to the Capitol and all the language that was used on, on social media about guns, about overthrowing the government and different things like that, uh, for sure that, that well, I believe, they're talking about $30 million spent. that probably would have been thrown up before they got there. And for sure the national police would have been there. And so this, was that's why I say it seems as though that the doors were just open for them to come in and do what they what they did. And to my understanding, about 35 uh, Capital Police is also being investigated. So, what kind of, when I look back and look at this now, you know, not realizing back then when I saw it unfolding and looking at it now, it, it, it really amazes me of how law enforcement was deeply involved in this. Police officers, whether they were active or whether they were retired or former and even military and so on. And you look at groups that, that's already been in the eye of, of police, like uh, the Oath Keepers and Three Percenters, Proud Boys, KKK, Neo Nazis. All these different groups are most definitely throughout the country has been a threat and, and a violence, right? And and uh, when you talk about political or domestic uh, terrorism, extremism, uh, that's what these people represent. Well, and, you know, it just seems like they, they were allowed to do that well, I think the and, problem and, is, and commit violence.
4: No, no, I, I agree with that. And I think that one of the problems you have here, uh, no one penetrates the United States Capitol that easy. Without there's yes, been some right. inside help, there's no way. Uh, Cliff, you that's and right. I have you and oh. I have been to Washington, D.C. quite a few times, and when I tell you security,
11: mm-hmm.
4: it, it's just it's over the top. The, the the precautions that are taken, I think what's troubling yes. to the American people. Because let me get your thoughts on that. Uh, we were down okay. there uh, on uh, Cliff. We were down there quite a few times. Security was tight every time we went. There was not even a threat Mm -hmm. of any type of thing. Cliff, explain to our listeners the
8: the difference between what happened here and how that some people had to be on the inside with helping this out. Yeah, because when you go to that Capitol building and, um, you know, Mr. Bowser, I don't know if you've ever been there, but there is a process where they showed uh, in the rotunda where the people were at. I mean, that's that's the visitor's spot. Where they show mm-hmm. where the people were sitting in Nancy Pelosi's uh, uh, at Nancy Pelosi's desk, right. the Speaker of the House. Where they show where they were in um, uh, Congressman uh, Clyburn's yeah. office, and where they were sitting in Vice President Pence's chair. These are areas that are highly. I mean, the security there is just beyond. Oh, we got in the building and then we ran up there. I mean, you have to be on the. You have to be in one of the uh, one of the other buildings. You go through the cap- through the uh, sergeant of arms. He gives you a pass to even get in that area in the Capitol building. When you go to his um, you know his compadre there at the actual Capitol building, they check your visitation right, which you receive from the sergeant of arms. Then they call upstairs and say, yes, this person is coming. When you go up the hallway. You meet another member of the Sergeant of Arms, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. um, security force, and he checks your credentials, make sure you Mm -hmm. are who you say you are and that you have permission to be there before you can even get into the particular person's office that you are going to to visit. So some people say, well, you know, they broke through the window and then they're in this area. No, if the American people understood the breach that happened that day and yep. what it took for those people to get to the Speaker of the House's desk, to have her laptop in hand, to be sitting in her seat. The breakdown of security, I mean, insurrection is a very small word to use for what happened. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think you put it uh, perfect that this was a coup d'etat. And yes, right. somewhere along the way, Those uh, the 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 people who you know I call them insurrectionists. Some people call them protesters. (laughs) Teachers, on you know everybody's opinion Mm -hmm. uh, is going to be respected, Mm -hmm. but I call them insurrectionists. I don't see how they got to those places without having help, without at least having an internal map of the Capitol building and how it is laid out, and and more where the specific members uh, were where their offices were it's one thing to say okay well i'm getting to the chamber where the votes were being taken but to be Mm -hmm. in a member's office and know where you're going there i don't see how they got there without uh without some some type of inside
4: help
10: yeah absolutely i agree 100 percent and and especially you know as there's you know you're hearing about the investigations that are taking place uh, i believe that you know there's some politicians that was involved in this I believe that you know, capital police were involved, and others were involved. Uh, it it had to be for for it to happen the way that it happened, and that's part of the problem. That's where you see the double standard at, and this th- this whole thing I kind of look at it as this whole idea is is about you know upholding white supremacy. You know that's why I didn't want to see Trump uh, leave leave out of office as a president. You know because he. Kind of weaponize um, white nationalism and white supremacy, and so now uh, you know that they feel that you know he's out of office. They want to try to throw the government put him back in there, and I believe they did have inside help with that. And I think that you know, some in order to, uh, to really deal with this and 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 really get down to the bottom of it, and so they're going to have to do some deep investigations, and 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 I'm sure uh, the new attorney general once he get in there, hopefully they will do that, and we'll we'll probably hear more and more and more. About what really happened there, and it's going to be in line in what we're talking about right here, right now, and so on. And I, I think yeah. getting back to the police, I think you know one of the things that they most definitely have to do because we have no national standardized policy, right, for screening police with racist ideals, and that's one of the things that has to be done because you know a lot of these police officers that are there. They want to continue to uphold what is basically happening in all of our communities uh, with the way the communities, especially black communities, are being policed in our community, which leads to mass incarceration. And that's their bread and butter. You know, they don't they don't even really care about us being killed because they make millions off of every uh, one to two million off of every homicide. Then they lock us up, put us in prison and they make money off of that. Right. And then we come out as second class citizens and can't hard to rebuild our lives and so on. Uh, uh, with persistence, many can't succeed. So, you know, it, it's, I think it's tied deeper to institutional racism, you know, coming out of slavery with the slave patrols and all of that. You kind of saw that with the paramilitary folks and what they were trying to do and uh, and how they uh, really had leeway, right, uh, on social media, and then going there and doing what they're doing. And that's why they all now trying to say Trump, they did it because Trump told them to.
4: Well, well look, and I agree with that, uh, Mr. Bowser. This is my thought. At the end of the day, uh, whatever involvement uh, or statements uh, made by President Trump, and by any means, this is by no means a defense of, of, of former President Trump, but it is this. Right. And every protest, and, I, and I'm sure you, you'll agree with this, this fact, <laughs> no matter where you go in protesting, there are always a group of people, say, that are violent that show up mm-hmm. that are there to yep. the young lady that got killed and hit by the car uh i believe i believe that was south carolina north carolina uh yep. where they yep. had the protest yep. it was in charleston and you had peaceful protesters out there but then yep. you have this guy get in this car and ran through a mob of people killing that young lady yep. taking her life so at the end of the day there has to be, and I don't know if this is even a real thing, but I'll say it anyway. Maybe we need mm-hmm. to have protest reform. <laughs> how do we do this? And how are people <laughs> right. listening, uh, not only the protesters, but the law enforcement that's out there to maintain the peace, maybe we need to take a look at that. Because I think a lot of innocent people are harmed. At peaceful mm-hmm. protest, you said you was arrested. Yeah. You were peacefully protesting. Yeah. Uh, right. So I think we have the right to protest. We have the right to say we don't agree, uh, mm-hmm. you know, me and, my, me and my brother were talking before, and, and, and we made the, he made a good point. If mm-hmm. the belief of a person is critical, if I believe mm-hmm. that an election was stolen, say, I believe right. that wholeheartedly, right,
11: mm-hmm.
4: then tensions are going to be raised. If I honestly yep. believe that, and I'm going to Washington because this was not right, mm-hmm. and wrong with protesting, if that's your belief, Right. But to what level was it Right, taken? And then how do, I, mm-hmm. how, how do I add to that problem? Dave Zappolo, your thoughts. But one of the things that you look at
5: is I've actually seen video of officers taking the barriers that were holding the protesters back with before it got violent and opening those mm-hmm. barriers up to let That's the protesters right. into the Capitol. So when you look mm-hmm. at that, you see that there was a, a, a systematic plan mm-hmm. to get the yep. protesters in there and it was shortly after yeah. that that things started to become violent so you have mm-hmm. a situation where people were protesting they were protesting for the most part peacefully mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. the gates were open and you saw the protesters rush in and the violence started
4: and were they were they mm-hmm. about to get your thoughts on that the protesters that were peaceful all the protesters. Well, yeah, and, and i Go ahead, Go ahead Ms. You know, and
10: I agree with that. I agree with that as far as uh, you know. A lot of folks uh, come to protest. There, there's few that probably end up committing violent acts and things like that. And most people want it to be peaceful. I've been in many protests, and you know, you want it to be peaceful. And we work to keep the peace when there are protests, and make sure no one is doing anything that would mm-hmm. you know cause the police to say this is an unlawful assembly. But I do, I, I do believe that you know um, when you look at some of the people. That was there, like um, the the uh, oath keepers and uh, the three percenters and Proud Boys, KKK, uh, uh, neo Nazis. These different groups that was there. I believe I don't, I don't believe that all of them came there for peace, right? Uh, some of them, some did, but a lot of them came when they came there. They knew exactly what their intentions were and they knew exactly what they were going to do when they got there. And uh, in, in regards to that protest and and, you know, of course, you know, you have hundreds and thousands of people that gather together. There are some that probably don't want them to do that. I've been to protests where when it started getting out of hand, I leave. I'm out of there. I'm like, OK, you know, right. I don't want to be a part of this. so I'm I'm gone, you know, but uh, and I'm sure some people probably did that. And it's easy to get caught up in the moment. And I, I think right. that happened with a lot of people when when violence started happening and. And other folks are there and they're already angry and upset, like you said, they really believe that the election was stolen. And so sometimes they do uh, end up, you know, getting caught up emotionally uh, 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 in what is happening there and then end up regretting it later. But that's where it all comes down to. You know, you got to take responsibility for yourself and your action and have some self-control and yeah. and really come with a pre plan. Uh, or pre-plan before you go there to know that, like, hey, let's get out of here I'm out of there. You know, at least that's my thinking. Anytime I go to any protest or anything, I'm not going to participate in anything when it comes to violence. Once once it becomes violent, then I'm out of there. I'll try to stop it and try to work to uh, uh, get people to calm down. If that doesn't work, then I then I got to get out of there, especially if it's declared unlawful an assembly. And so well, and when it's
4: violence you, happening. Yeah, Mr. and also, and David, David, let me hear your point.
6: Well, I'm... <clears throat> I've been saddened by a long time by the devolving nature of the politics and people are at each other's throats in this country. And a lot of this stuff is being stoked, uh, definitely stoked by President Trump, stoked by other Mm -hmm. politicians. I was reminded of when in September, 2016, and you're pitting uh, cities against rural people. And that, that's mm-hmm. been a, something that's been going yes. on for quite some time with these with politicians and the media uh, propagating this stuff nationally. I mean, Hillary Clinton's uh, called Trump, half a Trump supporter, mm-hmm. the basket of deplorable. Well, yeah. uh, another politician comes in and says, well, we'll take advantage of that uh, and mm-hmm. say that, that these this side doesn't like you. And the language is, is incendiary. Uh, mm mm-hmm. It's just sad that everything has come down to this. And like I said, I've been around long enough, 53 mm-hmm. years, to, to remember where things were just more civil all the way around in politics with people. Mm-hmm. We, still, we still had many issues uh, in this country, even the justification of uh, the, the Republicans of years justified, seem to be justifying stop and frisk. Well, how do you justify mm-hmm. something like that when it's a clear violation of the Constitution? For ends justifies mm-hmm. the means that we need to try to remove guns off the street. Well, you're you're racial profiling somebody and just stopping them while they're walking right. down the street and frisking them, and then again, this stuff is propagated through the media that stopping frisk reduce crime. Yep. So that's the same type of thing that got blacks mass incarcerated, and in the same culture that is that is uh, responsible for. Black men being killed in the streets by police officers. That's right. And That's so right. it's just That's sad right. that where this country is and some of these justifications, you can't justify this stuff. You can't justify what happened at the Capitol. You can't justify right. the loss of life. Right. And and they all like to tell right. Martin Luther King Jr. talking about Martin Luther King peacefully protested. And over, right. over over a period of time, when people see in, in his
4: speech at the
6: Washington uh, Monument, Mm-hmm. There was people of all nationalities and all races there, supporting Martin Luther right. King Jr. and and this country seems like it's hard. It's almost impossible right now to get back to that sort of peaceful protesting. And yeah, they paid a price for it, but people started to look at what was being done wrongly to to uh, a lot of the the people that Martin Luther King protested. And slowly over a period of time, people start to say this is just unacceptable. Hopefully through some way maybe this this capital riot and people say we need to get back mm-hmm. to some sort of civility mm-hmm. right
10: and, and, and you know and and i i, I agree and i just want to step back a minute and go back to when we was talking about like reforming protests uh yeah. you, you made me think of something when especially when you talk about the stop and frisk is that you know whenever we make laws most of the time uh white privilege gives them privilege right and so therefore Laws are not enforced on them, but it's enforced on, especially the black community. And you know, even when you go back to, I believe it was what in the in the '60s with the uh, the uh, the Terry versus the um, United States or whatever it was, when when uh, right. the Terry Law, which leads to the, the stopping and fritz and so on. And so, even when when you go back, that thing was 1968. Even when you go back there, back to that law, it was the Supreme Court that ruled. Then the Wren Law, which um, uh, they, they ruled on. And I think 1996, which uh, led to pretext stops. So now you got you can you can stop and search me on, on suspicion, reasonable suspicion. And now you can put my call, car over because you say I got a tail light out. But you really stopping me to investigate because you saw that I was a black person. You automatically think because I'm black and I live in this community that I'm dangerous. I might be selling drugs. I might be uh, uh, into some type of criminal criminal activity. So now you're stopping me. So you stop hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of of folks and then that then you know of course every now and then you might get arrested somewhere, but it really doesn't justify that no. that stop and And So one of the things that we know when we talk about the reforming protests or even when you talk about making laws, I, I kind of cringe and get a little nervous when we start talking about that because we know that the laws that they that you make to protect us, right? You know, got a protest get violent, you know, laws there to prevent that. But, what end up you being used against us? you know, and, so, and we know there's numerous of people that have been indicted on on things that they had nothing to do with, but simply because they were there or associated with someone, and they get indicted on on cases right so and they enforce it clearly on black folks and and we see that by the prison population and uh, the way to put, And the, the, the data that comes in on stopping black people versus white people, we know that they are not enforcing these laws on white folks, but they're, they're enforcing them on black people. So when we talk about stopping fritz, talk about pretext stops, and all those type of things, the laws being enforced on us, whenever we talk about laws, it's always going to be
6: used negatively against black.
4: No, without question, David. And that's why,
6: and they say, why are people rioting? Well, these are reasons. You continue <laughs> to do these exactly. sorts of things, and then it gets stoked up on the other side. So you got people pitted Mm -hmm. against each other. They're up there thinking the election was strolling in Washington. They're angry. There are people that are upset. And like you said, they get caught up in in the moment and all the passion that's going on there. And it's easy Mm -hmm. to to get uh, drawn into something like that. It's just it's
4: really a sad Absolutely. thing what's going on on both sides of the aisle these, these, these days.
6: Absolutely. But,
11: but
4: Absolutely. A major problem. And, and, uh, and look, Browser, ahead. I think, and I'm going to come back to you here. We're going to take a quick break. Uh-huh. And get so okay. hold that thought. You come back. But I will say this and going to the break. When you have the violence that we saw on January 6th happen, mm-hmm. it makes it very difficult to start peacefully protesting again because the panic button again yeah. is going to get pushed. And then you got people right. panicking. And more body bags get filled at peaceful protests. This is a pattern of behavior that makes it even more dangerous for those that have a right mm-hmm. under the Constitution to protest. You have that right. So That's when right. you have something in the violence like January 6th was, what is that? Mm-hmm. Because you know what? Injustice is going to happen again. We may see another That's George right. Floyd again, a Breonna Taylor right. yeah. again.
11: Yeah. Who yeah. will hit the streets Absolutely. and say, I
4: will exercise my right? And what officers, as a result Mm -hmm. of what they saw in the the lives that have been lost, the Capitol Hill police, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into the officers. uh, I believe an officer committed suicide as a result of this. We're going to get into all of that. Mr. Browser, hang tight. We're going to bring you back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is AJC Radio, where tonight we deal with the day democracy cried on our nation's calendar will never be forgotten, January 6th. 2021. We'll be right back. This is IDC Radio. Diversity is a huge part of our society.
10: We need it. It's instrumental. It's invaluable.
7: If you leave out certain people, even in turn, really limit creativity and society's ability to solve problems.
5: That's what we can do in the next four years. Our world is not singular. There are so many voices and experiences that deserve to be heard and expressed. Diversity is really the key to life. Without diversity, life becomes stagnant. It acknowledges and values the importance of everyone, which makes us as a country even better. Martin Luther King, he had
10: a dream. It was for everybody to be united. To stand up for freedom together. Without diversity, there's no progress. And that's what Black history is.
7: Black history. More than a month. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? Or visit a justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall.
9: Hi, <laughs> surrender, I surrender. All
4: right, Tom. Get ready for the day, buddy.
9: Hey dad. Hey dad. We have a gun. What's up? We have a gun.
4: Why do you ask that, kiddo?
9: Can I play with it?
6: No, no, absolutely not. It's not a toy. You know that.
9: Do I? I bet it looks like one.
6: Yeah, well it's not. Anyway, I need it to protect you. You're. From what? From bad guys. Like on
11: TV.
9: But what about the eight kids who got shot every day by mistake? Their daddies probably thought they were safe too. Where'd you hear that? TV.
11: Yeah, well, maybe we don't
6: believe everything we hear on TV.
9: Where do you keep it?
6: <laughs> it's hidden.
9: I bet it's on the top shelf of the closet, under your sweatshirts. Is it loaded?
6: It's not. I, I keep the bullets. In
9: the boots with the red bases and the chest beside the bed? I haven't found them yet, but I'm sure I can. You always tell me to be curious. Remember when I found my Christmas gift? I'm a good climber, you know.
2: No. No, that's not what I meant. Look, I,
6: I need to be ready if someone breaks in.
9: But what about when it's just me and Mom? You taught me to be brave. I can use a gun to protect her.
11: No, Justin, I promise. I'll teach you how to handle a gun when you're old enough.
9: What if I don't make it to old enough? I could get bullied and decide it's too much for me. It would be so easy with our gun.
11: Our gun? No, buddy. My gun.
9: But it is our gun in our home. Happens all the time.
11: I'll make sure that doesn't happen. I'm always here for you.
9: But, Dad, you're not always here.
11: <laughs> temperatures, we should reach our normal high, about 82 degrees by the center of the noon. Clear skies tonight, with a low near seven. Increasing
4: cloudiness.
11: Meeting a teen girl online is actually pretty easy. You can go into any chat room and just start talking. Most of the girls are usually so insecure and desperate for attention. Attention
9: from older guys is totally flattering. They're so much more mature and understanding than the guy's mind.
11: Age actually works to my advantage. They like to brag
8: to their friends that they're dating an older guy, so I just play along and pretend I'm really
9: interested in the same things I am. You can talk forever and really get to know someone without worrying about looks or whatever. That's the best thing about chatting.
8: Chatting seems unthreatening to them, so they lower their guard. After a while, I start talking about how we're soulmates and how lucky we are to have found each other.
9: Other people don't understand. I know what I'm doing. If you really care about each other, there's nothing wrong with Meeting, meeting
11: them is the goal. Once I get them out of their house, well,
8: that's when things get really interesting.
7: Online predators know what they're doing. Do you?
9: There's a lot of mud when it rains here, and it makes it really hard to find food. There are car bombs every day. My mom worries about me when I go out. Every time I hear the alarm bell go off in school, I think it's an air raid. Sometimes I have nightmares about it. A lot of houses in our neighborhood have been destroyed i like to close my ears and sing songs whenever the bombs come close. My dad says we have to leave, which makes me scared. I'm worried our new neighbors won't like us. What if they don't understand our religion? Because we don't speak the language, it might be hard for me to make friends. But I know it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be worth it. I just want my family to be safe. But these are not my words. These are not my words. These are not my words.
11: Because I'm 16, I can't drive at night. Because I'm 16, I
7: can't work past 10 o'clock on a school night.
5: Because I'm 16, I can't get a cell
7: phone contract without my parents.
9: Because I'm 16, I can't get a flu shot without my
7: mother's consent.
11: At 16, I'm not old enough to watch an R rated movie alone.
7: Because I'm 16, I can't buy a lottery ticket. I can't vote.
11: I can't drink.
7: I can't smoke.
5: I can't join the military. Because I'm
7: 16,
9: I can't sit on a jury, but I can be tried as an adult. I can get a lifetime
0: criminal record.
9: If I get arrested, my parents don't have to be notified. Because I'm 16, my mother had to sign this consent form so that I can
5: participate in this video.
11: But I can go to an adult prison.
5: But I can go to Rikers Island.
11: But I can be sent to Attica.
5: My name is Michael Corriero. I was a
11: judge for 28 years in the criminal courts of the state of New York. New York is one of only two states in the entire nation that automatically tries children as young as 16 as adults. We need to change that.
5: Last week, my father sent
11: me to my room.
9: Next week, a judge could sentence me to an adult prison.
11: We need to judge children as children. It's time to raise the age of criminal responsibility in New York.
4: Ladies and gentlemen to AJC Radio tonight is we have really gone down the road and looking back the day democracy cried on January 6, 2021. You may ask yourself the question: what exactly does that mean? The day that democracy in this nation was really at the on the brink, if you will, of collapsing. And we were talking about the insurrection on Capitol Hill, the violence that took place in our nation's capital, the threat of life and the loss of life that caused a very different response and an outrage by a nation that why and how can something like this happen? Uh, we are very, very honored to have Cornelius Bowser tonight, who, who's our guest, uh, one of our guests tonight, that's given a, a, a really good perspective on how to look at this situation. Uh, and Mr. Bowser, we appreciate you for joining us. Thank you so much for coming back with us.
10: Um, yes, and thank you for having me. Appreciate
4: it. You're very welcome for that, sir. And and I think some of our co-hosts actually uh, may have, want to add into this conversation, really on, on what you've said thus far, mm-hmm. and this, this discussion, which I think is really good. William, go ahead. Mr. Mm-hmm. Bowser, I, I was just curious. Before we went to break, you know, you
5: had mentioned that you'd been involved in some protests. I was just curious. Mm-hmm. We've seen this past year where there was, I think there was people that were bad actors. You know, you saw them Mm -hmm. and we heard about them on the news. I wanted to get your take on that. Basically, what you've seen and and how some of those bad actors may have taken a peaceful protest and turned it really violent.
10: Well, yeah, absolutely. Especially during the, uh, what we call the Black Lives Matter protests Uh, here. You know, I know it's throughout the nation, but here in San Diego, there was a lot of protests also. And there were some folks that were coming in, and we believe that, um, you know, not all of them, but a lot of them were white folks that were supposed to be been allies with, you know, um, the protesters and Black Lives Matter and so on. You know, they actually came to quit, burning buildings down, um, uh, trying to commit violence against the police and things like that. And, um, you know, it, and I think, you know, to be a moral voice, you know, of myself, you know, we have to speak out against that, too. And that's what I did. I, I spoke out against it here in uh san diego when uh the violence took place and the, and and even you know challenged folks who were trying to justify it you know because you you hear people um on one end they'll want to justify violence from the perspective of burning down buildings things like that and and then on the other end when someone tried to burn down some of their property then they have an issue with and they cry white supremacy so my thing is like well we got we got to equally balance this out you know you can't. On one end justify it; then the other end not it, and not just and and try to speak out against it and so we have to be fair on on all ends and so for me that's kind of what i saw i i, I uh, from what i observed what i've seen that's what was happening here in um uh, um san diego also though there was a lot of violence on, from police right they were doing some uh, they were committing unnecessary violence against protesters um, and using, you know, their tactical equipment, you know, shooting folks with rubber bullets and different things like that, and uh, that was unnecessary, you know. And so, a lot of people, you know, I, I've, I've been not this protest last year, but I was in a protest a few years ago where they declared an unlawful assembly, but they didn't even give you time to leave, right? They had the police blocking everything out. We said, well, how are we going to leave? And uh, you're not allowing us to leave here. So I, I I do know that, you know, you, when they declare unlawful assembly, they are going to try to close in on you and so on. But I think a lot of times when people out there peacefully protesting, it's unnecessary to use violence against them. So I've seen the violence on both ends where you had uh, police committing violence and then you had uh, so-called, so-called allies and outsiders uh, coming and committing violence to stir the pot a little bit more for whatever motive or political agenda that they had uh, to do that and so on. So that's kind of what I've seen with, with the protests. And the other thing I would say, uh, the, the thought that before we went to commercial, what came to my mind is, you know, about on the other side, you know, with the protesters and those who really believe something. I have friends and I have a friend in Washington State. I'm in California, but uh, we're good friends. And he's a Trump, star, Trump supporter, right? And, and, and we have conversations. And, I, you know, and, and I know that we have to engage these guys and have peaceful conversations with them from the perspective of educating them. Because some of the things that he was saying, I was trying to get him to understand. Like, look, look, man, I, I know you, so I know that, you know, at least from from the lens that I see, you're not a racist. I said, but those narratives that you frame and the things that you're saying, you're getting from racist people, and you you using. And when you say it if a black person that didn't know you, hear he, you say that, they'll think you're racist. And then he kind of yeah. paused, like, oh, you know, like he didn't, he didn't, you know, it made him think about it. So I think that. We do have to have these conversations with folks to educate people also uh on the other side because i, I there probably are some folks on the other end that's really getting caught up in the rhetoric and the that has been framed on the the other side you know as far as you know that's', that's racist you know and, well, and and because a white person many times folks don't see it
4: no no without question, and I think the, pro- the what you have to have is is a conversation I would be uh unfair to say that any person uh, that had that voted for president trump for whatever reason they voted you Mm -hmm. cannot and let me be clear on this you cannot in a nutshell group an entire 70 david i think the number was 74 million voters Mm -hmm. as racist because this is what this is what you have you, mm-hmm. you contribute yeah. to the problem. You contribute mm-hmm. to the problem. Uh, for whatever reason, yeah. and look, w- w- this is a nation of being able to disagree, to not agree right. on, on particular political positions. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people voted for President Trump because they were tired of the same old status quo in Washington. It doesn't make him a right. racist. And I don't think, it, mm-hmm. I think, but we, I think and, and, and Mr. Bowser, I think this is true not only do people in high positions must be careful what they say, because it can be used one way. We as the American people yeah. must be careful in our communities. If we say that in a general sense, in a, in a broad brush, you create tensions really in your own community. And what happens right. then when somebody is fighting in, in the grocery store because, uh, oh, you, you voted for Trump, I voted, somebody voted for Biden. And I think David's point is noted. When did we mm-hmm. get back to stability? That we can disagree. Right. I don't have to vote for this person. I, I vote whatever reason, I vote for one without having right. to, to pull a gun or a knife and, and the violence that we saw in Washington. And I believe that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were outside groups. And you have the white suprem- you know, supremacist folks that are there that are wanting to cause mm-hmm. violence to do these things. I think that's right. critically in, in, important. Um, right dimitris go ahead uh <clears throat> good evening mr bowser i i was listening to your comments earlier what is your take on the narrative you'd made mention to it earlier in regards to uh some people will say uh, cliff mentioned it earlier insurrectionists um some people are having the narrative that this was direct terrorism these were terrorist mm-hmm. acts at the capitol and what is your mm-hmm. thought in in uh you know, that when Black Lives Matter there was a protest earlier, uh, I think in twenty twenty mm-hmm. where they had military uh, militarized uh,
11: individuals That's starting
4: right. the state cap that same state capital. So what is your narrative on you know not, not saying insurrections but terrorism? Yeah,
10: I I, I totally agree with that and and I'll tell you why, because I, I, I believe that it is and we have to be consistent in how we use our terminology, right? If these guys are committing violence, if folks are dying. And they they plotting, planning this. If they are out in in the in the uh, the forest or wilderness, wherever they are in the woods, practicing killing people and things like that, and and overtaking the government and so on, they are domestic terrorists and or political extremists, whatever term you want to use in that. And and here's the thing, right? When you look when you look here in in California, if anyone's familiar with the laws in California, in um, 1988 they created what they called the Step Act and the STEP Act, the STEP stands for Street Terrorism Enforcement Prevention Act, and that was uh, uh, specifically geared towards gangs, right, and most gangs are black and brown, And, and even though here in San Diego there are more uh, uh, Hispanic, Latino gangs than there are black gangs. You have more black gangs that are documented as gang members in the Cal gang database. And so, but this is, they 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 uh, um, uh, classified them as terrorists, right, uh, for for the, for the things that are happening in the streets. Even if this individual never committed any violence or anything, once they labeled as a gang member, they labeled it as street terrorists. And so it's, I, I believe it's the same thing. It has to be violence all the way around right and and we have to call it what it is, and I think like what we see with the with uh white extremism or white supremacy and white nationalism and and calling them terrorists, that really is terrorism, domestic terrorism when you when you look at it what they've done they even found bombs down, uh, 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 yeah. uh, uh within body capital and so on, and so that was terrorist now maybe i know like and, and I, I agree we do have to be careful. And not to sweep everybody, brush everybody with a broad brush because, you know, there, there are folks that probably legitimately believe, you know, that the election was stolen and came there to peacefully protest. Right. And 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 there's a possibility. So we can't label everybody, everyone like that. But those folks that were captured on video and taking pictures and posting on social media and then in, in, inside breaking windows and kicking down doors and uh, looking for somebody. telling me you're going to hang them or kill them and call them using racial slurs. That's hate terrorism and uh, uh domestic violence right and and and, I, and it has to be labeled as such and that's why i use the term coup d'etat because they they were actually trying to use violence to overtake uh the government or at the bare minimum to prevent a peaceful transfer of power which uh it still ended up happening uh and they didn't stop so yes uh I, I i i don't see no problem with using the term
8: terrorism or terrorism yeah and i was uh I was in LA when they came up with the Step Act, you know, as a teenager then. Yeah. And that's when they called us uh super predators, you know, mm-hmm. street terrorists. And they gave us all kind of uh, you know, tags so that when they come to pick us up, they could treat us whatever way that they wanted. And then you look that's at today, right. you look you look at these groups that are actual actual terrorists in uh mm-hmm. in America that the US government, uh, whether it's politicians, whether it's the will of the uh, majority of the people, they will not Mm -hmm. tag them as terrorists. You look at militiamen, you look at the proud boys, you look at the five percenters, you look at all these groups that have committed Mm -hmm. actual acts of terrorism and they will not put a tag on it, but they can call, Young black and brown boys, super predators, mm-hmm. terrorists, mm-hmm. that at eight at 13 years old, we are the we are the biggest threat against the yeah. not just LA County, not just the mm-hmm. cities that we were in, but the biggest threat against national security are 13 year old black and brown boys. We can get that tag. But the people mm-hmm, right. who Absolutely. broke into the Capitol building, the people who marched through with a Confederate flag for the first time in U.S. history—a Confederate mm-hmm. flag breaches the inside of the U.S. Capitol building, just basically tearing down a hundred years of of the fight for civil rights—and mm-hmm. those people cannot be deemed that terrorism. You look at you look at the the lack of accountability, the I don't even know what you you would call it, but the fact that they will not um, put the same tag on people, whether they're of different color, whether whether it's uh, politically motivated because of the votes that these groups will bring in. But something has Mm -hmm. to be something has to be changed or these type of acts uh will 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 never uh be suspended i mean if you allow these people who um you know the insurrectionists at the capitol Mm -hmm. if you allow them to force a a coup d'etat and kill law enforcement officers and get away with it and don't just you know bring it to justice then what are we looking at and and you know it's been said by a lot of people whether black white or whoever that had that been Black Lives Matter, that that did these mm-hmm. same types of things, that uh, there would have been a massacre of, at the Capitol of the of the so called quote unquote protests. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it is it, it's troubling, it's scary, and we have got to come up with some type of ideas to combat these things. Well, something uh, yeah. something definitely has to happen, Mister Bowser. Um, mm-hmm. Let's make
4: the, make no mistake about it. Those uh, people that penetrated the capital had weapons. They came yep.
8: to kill.
4: <laughs> Again, never seen in the history of this country ever. That's right. Uh, That's right. Never seen. It. That's why attention must be given to it. Discussion mm-hmm. must happen because it has never yes. been done. And I think that was the earthquake effect, if you will, of this action. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, I believe. That's right. Took not only the nation, the world it was like, what is mm-hmm. going on in the United States? You and here's the here's, right. the here's the point. I'm going to play a clip again. I played it earlier, but I want you to hear it. I'm going to get your thoughts on okay. it. Okay. Senator, Senator Raskin, I, I could not help but get tears in my eyes when he mm-hmm. began to explain his daughter, who was on the at the Capitol that day. Wow. Yeah. Life could have been taken. And this is the part. I'm gonna let him tell it so you guys can hear it. Let's play that clip, Mr. Bowser. We want to get your thoughts on the other side of the break. I'm, I'll see the other okay, side of this okay. clip. Yes. Okay.
13: My youngest daughter, Tabitha, was there with me on Wednesday, January 6th. It was the day after we buried her brother, our son Tommy, the saddest day of our lives. Also, there was my son-in-law, Hank, who's married to our oldest daughter, Hannah, and I I consider him a son too. And then there was a sound I will never forget, the sound of pounding on the door like a battering ram, the most haunting sound I ever heard and I will never forget it. My chief of staff, Julie Tagan, was with Tabitha and Hank locked and barricaded in that office, the kids hiding under the desk, placing what they thought were their final texts and whispered phone calls to say their goodbyes. They thought they were gonna die. I hugged them and I apologized and I told my daughter Tabitha, who's 24 and a brilliant algebra teacher in Teach for America, Now, I told her how sorry I was, and I promised her that it would not be like this again the next time she came back to the Capitol with me. And you know what she said? She said, Dad, I don't want to come back to the Capitol. (sighs) Of all the terrible, brutal things I saw and I heard on that day, And since then, that one hit me the hardest. That and watching someone use an American flagpole, the flag still on it, to spear and pummel one of our police officers ruthlessly, mercilessly, tortured by a pole with a flag on it that he was defending with his very life. People died that day. Officers ended up with head damage and brain damage. People's eyes were gouged. Officer had a heart attack. Officer lost three fingers that day. Two officers have taken their own lives. Senators, this cannot be our future. This cannot be the future of America. We cannot have presidents inciting and mobilizing mob violence against our government and our institutions because they refuse to accept the will of the people under the Constitution of the United States.
4: There you have it. I was sitting here listening to Senator Raskin. Me, myself and Cliff Stewart had the privilege on one of our trips to Washington, D.C. to meet this senator, a very decent man for everything that that I had seen, our discussions with him. This is a serious issue. It's a serious problem. And my heart goes out to the people in that Capitol building that day. The young man stuck between the door as the mob pushed themselves through, as he screamed in pain, trying to get out of that situation. The man that was killed because he was violently beaten with a fire extinguisher, lost his life. Mr. Bowser, please... When you hear the emotion in the senator's voice, just losing his son the day before, mm-hmm. and, say, and laying him to rest, this ceases to be a dominating black or white issue. Mm-hmm. It's is a human issue. Right. Um, it doesn't take away of the unequal justice that we find among African Americans and those Lives that have been lost. But on this day, Mm
11: -hmm.
4: no matter what color you were, or that you are. Mr. Bowser, are you there? Yes, I am. Hold on. Yes. Okay. I'm I'm here. here. I'm here. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm glad you're still there. I had a little bit of technical difficulties moments ago. I do apologize for that. Uh, oh, no worries. Go ahead and continue your thought, Mr. Bowser, in regards to, we were talking about Senator Raskin, uh, who, again, myself and a, uh, other hosts, Cliff Stewart, had an opportunity to meet with this man. He seems to be a very mm-hmm. decent man of high integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you hear him, uh, his emotion, his words broken because of the pain of not only losing his son, but the words of mm-hmm. his daughter, scared. It could have been so much worse. Uh, give us your right.
8: thoughts
10: on that. Well, man, it it speaks to the trauma right, that, you know, and, and I like the way you said, this is, uh, we're talking about humanity, talking about human issues, right? And and anyone that that has to experience something like that most definitely is experiencing um, some trauma, right? And, and one of the things that they've uh, talked about when you talk about the toll that has been taken on uh, as far as what happened with this raid on, on Capitol, there's a physical and psychological toll, and the trauma is extensive. We can hear it uh, in the senators uh, as he was speaking and talking about that you can uh, hear the trauma and the pain that they're suffering and that they're going through. and uh the, the, I believe he said it if he was talking about his daughter that didn't want to come back to um uh the the uh, the, the capital cuz she experienced that trauma and it's going to take some time for her to heal and and go through that you know i my um my baby my daughter she's like 26 now but when she was like about 8 and 9 years old we was on our way to church and we pulled up and there was a shooting there was two uh, gentlemen that was laid out in the street they were bleeding and everything it wasn't dead but that really traumatized her, and she didn't even want to come back to church anymore. So I can uh, uh, truly relate uh, to what uh, what he's going through from the perspective of dealing with that trauma and his daughter and me experiencing what I was going through with my daughter and so on. And 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 that's the part that I think really needs to be talked about, and, I, and I, from what I'm hearing, is that a lot of folks just like him are suffering from a lot of trauma and a lot of pain, and psychologically, uh, what they went through there, and, 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 and let alone talking about all the physical harm that was done and the the building structure, but the building structure would be repaired but it's that physical psychological uh trauma that and pain that people are going through that it's going to take some healing it's going to take some time uh, for that to happen and he really uh, draws a clear picture for us of what that terrorism was like they terrorized him and that's and and that's why they should be labeling it um uh, terrorism right because that's what they
4: were doing no, for sure, for sure, Mr. Bowser. How are you looking on time, Mr. Bowser, right now? Uh, are we holding you I'm up good. from anything?
10: No, I'm good. I'm good.
4: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, right now, uh, again, you're tuning to AGC Radio tonight, uh, and we are dealing with some type of uh, uh, ISP situation uh with with the uh internet provider it's out of our control please hang tight and try to fix that uh but thank you for spending time with us this evening we'll see what we can do until then we'll play some clips regarding the Capitol attack on january 6th
0: And now to an ABC News exclusive. Capitol Hill police officer Harry Dunn, the first to speak out publicly, gives his chilling account of what happened on January 6th as he fought off that violent mob, some yelling racial slurs. And just a reminder that he speaks only for himself and not for his department. Here's ABC's Pierre Thomas.
14: There were so many calls on the radio. Priority, help, help. Somebody's trapped. We need help. Shots fired. When Capitol
15: Police Officer Harry Dunn went to work on the morning of January 6th, it felt like a normal day. What's the first moment that you began to get a sense
14: that something is off kilter here? We were told to uh, get helmets, riot helmets. Uh, That was new. But no sense that all hell could break loose? Correct, correct.
15: Then the 13-year veteran seen here watched as the crowd of thousands closed in on the east side of the
14: Capitol. You just see a sea of people, Trump flags, Confederate flags, thin blue line flags, don't tread on me flags. And then you look down and you see officers fighting with these people, pepper spray, smoke grenades, gas grenades, pepper balls, being thrown by everybody, Flashbangs. We fought with these people who were prepared for a fight. They had on gas masks, they had on body armor, they had on two-way radios, they had on tactical gear, bulletproof vests. They were ready to go.
15: When you see that level of preparedness, did that surprise you, did
14: it scare you? I was scared, I was absolutely scared. I'm on this platform, I'm a big guy. I'm six foot seven, I'm this giant person and we had our guns out and i'm thinking all these people out there they're armed too and i'm like i'm gonna get shot they gonna take me out i remember at one point i said how is this going to end did you think about your daughter
15: at, at some point during the fight did that give you some inspiration to keep doing what you were doing
14: absolutely i never imagined besides the fact when i was walking on that stage and i had that moment where i'm going to get shot i I didn't have a, a moment that said, I'm not going to make it home. Eventually, the mob forced its way inside the Capitol building.
15: Officer Dunn confronting a group carrying a Blue Lives Matter flag.
14: I said, hey, we got dozens of officers down. We got dozens of officers down. And you got the nerve to be holding the Blue Lives Matter flag. I thought they were going to have a moment where they, they came to and they realized, like, yo, what are we doing? But, like, they instantly snapped out of it, and they said, nah, we're doing this for you. We're doing this for you. And as one of the guys kept walking by, the other one pulled out his badge and said, trust me, I understand. We're doing this for you, buddy. And he's got a badge. He shows me his badge. What did you take? Uh, A fellow officers in the building? You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. They believed in their mind that they were right. So I believe that makes them even more dangerous because we were telling them and we were making them and we were fighting them, telling them to get out. They called us traitors. <laughs> Your job is to survive, protect people, and protect yourself. Right. I remember I said to MPD a couple of times, a couple of officers, as we're flushing each other's eyes out because they're soaked with pepper spray. Protect yourself. Protect yourself, guys. There are way too many people. We are outnumbered. You're fighting. You got white officers helping. You got
15: black officers helping. And at that point, it don't matter. You're just in together. Mm -hmm. Exhausted, Officer Dunn tried reasoning with a large group of protesters approaching a hallway he was guarding.
14: I literally told them, if they want to get through here, you got to go through me. And they didn't. They just started talking to me. They were saying how Joe Biden did not win the election and nobody voted for him. So I took the bait and I, okay, what about me? I voted for Joe Biden, does my vote not count?
15: This is when Officer Dunn
14: encountered a couple in the crowd who began hurling the most vile racial slurs at him, a black officer. And his girlfriend, she had on a pink MAGA shirt. You say, hey, this voted for Joe Biden, guys. Hey, everybody, this voted for Joe Biden. They say, you
15: So the crowd joined in Everybody.
14: Everybody joined in with him. Real talk. When
15: it registered you what had been said, you're a law enforcement officer. You're in the Capitol defending the Capitol. And somehow race seeped into that too.
14: Everybody wants to say that it was about politics and everything but it was a large number of people in that crowd that were racist. There are two images that I've been thinking about.
15: One is, we mentioned John Lewis, who is a man of great integrity, we all revere him. And you had an experience regarding that
14: iconic figure. What happened with that? outside of Steny Hoyer's office in the Capitol. It's a tribute to John Lewis. To stand with a poster. That mural was destroyed. They've ripped it in half once. They picked it up and they ripped it again and again, and it was in pieces. It was deliberate. The American flag stayed up, but that mural to John Lewis was destroyed. And you can't tell me that that isn't racism. You cannot tell me that.
15: Did the people who were there tell you why they were there?
14: We're stopping the steal. According to them, they were doing it for us. They were doing us a favor. According to those terrorists you're very precise You use the word terrorist absolutely absolutely it wasn't just a mob or a bunch of thugs you know they were terrorists they tried to disrupt this country's democracy that was their goal and you know what y'all failed but five people lost their lives that
15: day including capitol police officer brian sicknick after the Capitol had been cleared, Officer Dunn had his first chance to reflect on what he had witnessed.
14: Fire extinguishers have been gone off. The floors are covered in white dust. It's just a cloud of smoke. Water bottles, broken flagpoles. Everything in the rotunda just laying there on the floor. The it's rotunda. The rotunda. The pinnacle of the, the democracy. American democracy. And all this stuff is there. And I sat down with... Uh, Good friend of mine, and uh, I looked at him. And I said, "What the hell happened?" And I just started to cry. Just all these, everything that happened, just hit me at once. And I told him, "I got called a <laughs> couple dozen times today, protecting this building. Is this America?" They beat police officers with blue Lives Matter flags. They fought us. They had Confederate flags in the U.S. Capitol. They stormed the Speaker's office. They went through their sensitive documents. They were trying to assassinate the Vice President in the Capitol. What's the gamut of emotions? I've got angry. I got sad. I got hurt even just during this interview. I'm getting angry now, but I don't mind talking about it, and that's how I get through it. In the days following the insurrection, we all felt like we had each other's back even more. When you go through something that traumatic, nobody knows what you've been through except the people that went through it with you. And even then, they don't fully know because a lot of my white officer co-workers they didn't call, get called a So we all fought the same battles, but they were different.
15: Dunn has nothing but praise for his fellow officers, including Eugene Goodman, who was seen on camera shielding the unguarded Senate floor and directing Senator Mitt Romney away from that mob of protesters. Eugene Goodman. <laughs> Eugene.
14: Tell us about Eugene Goodman. Good dude. Good dude, um, humble guy, funny guy great person to work with great person to be around you weren't surprised that he acted the way he acted. not at all there were dozens of eugene goodmans that day dozens eugene got caught on camera and i'm not surprised that he did the right thing the brave thing the heroic thing he deserves everything that he's getting but there were so many eugene goodmans that weren't caught on camera that day and i'm proud to work with them
0: A lot of officers there have not gotten their due recognition. Such a powerful interview. For more now, let's bring in our Pierre Thomas. And Pierre, Officer Dunn's words were quoted during Trump's recent impeachment trial. But at the time, they were anonymous.
15: They were indeed. He was the mystery officer. After thinking about this quite some time, Lindsay, he finally decided that he wanted to go forward. He got approval from his department. And he told a story that still breaks his heart. He's still angered by it. But he believes that the world needs to know what truly went on inside that building.
0: Yeah, heartbreaking indeed. And Pierre Officer Dunn is the first Capitol Hill police officer to speak publicly using his name. This has got to be tough for all the officers on the front lines.
15: They're still healing, Lindsay. And he made it clear that every day he thinks about this in some fashion. Uh, This is something that he has to live with. And also something that he believes that the country eventually is going to have to come to grips with, Lindsay.
0: Pierre Thomas, our thanks to you. Thank you. And you can catch more of this interview on ABC's primetime series, Soul of the Nation, airing on ABC, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, starting in March.
16: On January 6th, thousands of rioters, many coming from Trump's Save America rally, stormed the U.S. Capitol. Congress meant to certify the 2020 presidential election results.
11: The, the,
16: the insurrection resulted in multiple deaths, including an officer, dozens of injuries to law enforcement and rioters, ongoing arrests, and vandalism across the Capitol. Here's how the day unfolded. That morning, thousands gathered at the ellipse near the White House to hear the President and his allies speak. Shortly before noon, President Trump addressed the crowd.
8: We will never give up. We will never concede. We're going to walk down to the Capitol because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong.
16: Following his speech, the crowd then marched to the U.S. Capitol building, where initially only Capitol Police were stationed. Additional MPD officers would be called to assist by 1 p.m.
17: At
16: 1253, a large crowd approached approximately five Capitol Police officers standing at a fenced-off entrance near the Peace Monument. According to ABC news sources that day, many Capitol police were armed only with mace and their sidearms. As the crowd pushed the barricades over, the police were quickly overwhelmed. No! 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 In contrast to other events in D.C. last summer, additional state and federal law enforcement was not pre-staged ahead of the riot. Within minutes, protesters began swarming other entrances of the Capitol, breaking through barricades and continuing to push further toward the building. Inside Congress began their session with Vice President Pence presiding. Are there
2: any objections to counting the certificate of vote of the state of Arizona? I will vote to respect the people's decision and defend our system of government as we
16: know it. During this time, explosive devices were reported outside the DNC and RNC headquarters. Meanwhile, rioters continue to surround the Capitol, taking photos and waving flags. One video shows rioters streaming past barricades with officers standing by audio message from around 2 p.m. warned congressional staffers and reporters to stay away from windows and doors. Between 2 and 2.30, rioters broke through multiple entrances and began pushing further into the building. Get out! Get out! Get out! Get out! by 2:30, rioters breached security and made their way into the capitol through windows and doors. Crowds began pouring into the rotunda, crypt, statuary hall, and other locations. On the chamber floor, the house recessed and told members to lock down and shelter in place.
1: They broke the glass.
16: Everybody stay down! Keep down! Around 2.45, members of the Capitol security team barricaded the entry doors to the chamber. Congress members retrieved gas masks from underneath their seats, and tear gas has been released into the rotunda. Outside the house chamber in a stairwell, protesters attempted to get into a secured hallway. One woman, Ashley Babbitt, was shot by a Capitol policeman and later died. Around 3 p.m., one video shows an officer stuck in a doorway as rioters try to push through. By now, hundreds of rioters occupied the Capitol, roamed the halls, sat at Speaker Pelosi's desk, and vandalized the building. As the insurrection continued, support from more than 18 local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies began to arrive. They tried to dispel the violence using tear gas and flashbangs to move the protesters out of the building. By mid-afternoon, many political leaders and allies of President Trump called on the president to make a statement and denounce the protest.
2: I tried to call the president immediately, and I've tried a number of different ways to get him.
18: I call on President Trump to go on national television now to fulfill his oath and defend the Constitution and demand an end to this
16: siege. At 4.17, more than two hours after the violence began, President Trump tweeted a minute-long pre-recorded video speaking directly to the protesters.
13: You have to go home now. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you.
16: Earlier in the day, Mayor Bowser implemented a 6 p.m. curfew and rioters now dispersed. By 8 p.m., Senators resumed session in the Senate chamber to confirm the electoral results.
3: Today was a dark day in the history of the United States Capitol. The violence was quelled. The Capitol is secured. And the people's work continues.
16: Congress worked through the night and at 3.39 a.m. Certified Joe Biden as the 46th president of the United States.
1: Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will be the president and the vice president, according to the ballots that have been given to us.
7: (laughs)
3: The purpose of the joint session having concluded, pursuant to Senate Concurrent Resolution 1, 117th Congress, the chair declares the joint session dissolved. Overnight, a fifth death announced from the siege of the U.S. Capitol. Capitol Police say Officer Brian Sicknick was injured while engaging with protesters. He later collapsed at his division office and was taken to a local hospital before dying from his injuries around 9.30 Thursday night. Capitol Police releasing a statement saying the entire department expresses its deepest sympathies to Officer Sicknick's family and friends on their loss and mourns the loss of a friend and colleague. Sicknick's death is being investigated by the DC Metropolitan Police Department's homicide branch, along with US Capitol Police and their federal partners. It comes as hundreds of DC police and FBI personnel are pouring over hours of video and hundreds of photos of the mob using facial recognition software to identify suspects and make arrests. And working more than 4,000 tips from the public, federal prosecutors have now brought cases against 55 people The charges include rioting, unlawful entry, assaulting police officers, theft, and eight weapons cases. One suspect arrested with a semi-automatic rifle and 11 Molotov cocktails. The FBI also investigating whether sensitive national security information may have been stolen from congressional offices. Several of the people seen in images from the raid have gone viral and have already identified themselves. 60-year-old Richard Barnett of Arkansas pictured with his feet on a desk in Speaker Pelosi's office and holding one of her letters and the man seen in face paint and a horned hat confronting law enforcement holding a spear jake and jelly who has been pictured at previous trump rallies meantime both the house and senate sergeant at arms have resigned under pressure and capitol police chief stephen sund says he'll resign effective sunday january 16th making no mention of wednesday's riots in his resignation letter sund had faced growing pressure to step down including from house speaker nancy pelosi
17: I am calling for the resignation of the the Chief of the Capitol Police, Mr. Sund.
3: The Capitol Police Union also called for the chief to resign, writing in a statement, Once the breach of the Capitol building was inevitable, we prioritized lives over property, leading people to safety. Not one member of Congress or their staff was injured. Our officers did their jobs. Our leadership did not. Despite months of warnings about just such an attack and the president's own encouragement, members of Congress and law enforcement veterans are questioning how and why Capitol Police officers were so quickly overwhelmed. But they had no leadership, no preparation. Everyone knew this would happen. Yeah, people really making a distinction here, Savannah, between the the heroics of individual officers and the leadership, which they allege simply weren't prepared, didn't plan for this event, despite the fact that it was on social media for weeks before it actually happened. By the way, behind me, this massive fence now circles the Capitol. It's about nine feet tall. It will stay up well beyond the inauguration. The concern is that the demonstrators or some demonstrators may come back.
2: There were 68 individuals arrested yesterday evening and into into the early morning hours of January 7th. Of the 68 arrests, 60 were adult males and eight were adult females. 41 of those arrests occurred on U.S. Capitol grounds, and to my knowledge, only one of the arrestees is from the District of Columbia. I just wanna underscore that, only one of the arrestees was from the District of Columbia. However, we still have a significant amount of work ahead of us to identify and hold each and every one of the violent mob accountable for their actions. We have collected numerous images of persons of interest that we are asking the community to help us identify. These images depict individuals engaged in various acts of violence or property destruction, and we have made these images available on our website and social media platforms. We shared these these images last night uh, with the DC bids, the hotel associations and other community partners, along with the FBI. We also have shared these images with the the regional airport authorities. Uh, As we speak, we have members of the Metropolitan Police Department that are scouring the area hotels, businesses, et cetera, uh, trying to identify some of these individuals that still may be uh, taking up residence within our city. The FBI, we're working closely with them to aggressively pursue those responsible for these shameful and violent acts. You can help by taking a moment to view them and provide us with assistance. Again, they have been publicly released on our website. Anyone with information on their identities or whereabouts is encouraged to reach out to MPD at 202-727-9099 or text us at 50411. Information can be provided anonymously. In addition to what I've already mentioned, uh, we will also be sending these images out across the country to the the FBI offices in every state. We have authorized a reward of up to $1,000 for information that leads to the arrest and conviction of persons responsible. And I should add that we already are receiving information and tips in, valuable tips in from residents and people who who have identified some of these individuals. We will continue to assist the United States Capitol Police with security without compromising the quality and professional police service to our district neighborhoods. Residents and visitors should continue to expect traffic disruptions and a large law enforcement presence in and around the National Mall and U.S. Capitol. Now, I would like to take this opportunity to provide the identities of the persons that lost their lives yesterday. As I mentioned late yesterday, the Metropolitan Police Department is handling the investigation of the U.S. Capitol Police officer-involved shooting that occurred in the House lobby area. The decedent in that shooting has been identified as 35-year-old Ashley Pomita. Ashley, also known as Ashley Babbitt of Huntington, Maryland. This remains an active MPD investigation. There were three additional deaths that occurred, which we believe all to be the results of medical emergencies. The decedents have been identified as 50-year-old Benjamin Phillips of Ringtown, Pennsylvania, 55-year-old Kevin Greason of Athens, Alabama, and 34-year-old Roseanne Boylan of Kennesaw, Georgia. Lastly, I would like to thank all of DC and our neighboring jurisdictions in Virginia and uh, Maryland for adhering to the mayors and the governor's curfew orders, and now I can turn it over to uh, Secretary McCarthy.
18: Thank you, Chief Conkey, Mayor Bowser.
2: Um, yesterday was a
18: horrible and shameful day in our history. But one thing we did see was incredible leadership by Mayor Bowser and Chief Conkey and saw the best of this city. Uh, when they called us over at the Pentagon, uh, we started getting awareness uh, yesterday afternoon about the breach within the Capitol, and quickly um, worked uh, to support, moved the, our, our resources forward in, uh, in support of Metro PD and the Capitol Police and responded and truly saw some incredibly heroic things from Metro PD and, and our DC guardsmen, We're very proud of those men and women. Um, at present, there are, the entire DC National Guard has been mobilized. We have also received the support from the state of Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, and New York. There will be 6,200 guardsmen in total by the weekend here at the U.S. Uh, and, the, and the U.S. Uh, National Capital Region in support of the D.C. Uh, D.C. Metropolitan Police Department as well as the Capitol uh, Hill Police. At present, we have uh, over 150 personnel uh, up on the, um, the Capitol grounds, and we will have 850 on the Capitol grounds by noon today. At 9 a.m. this morning, we began erecting a seven-foot non-scalable fence, which will be from Constitution Independence and First Avenue uh, to the uh, in front of the pond right there in front of the Capitol, that, that road right there. So um, these personnel and this security measures will be in place for no less than the next 30 days. And uh, we'll be keeping all of these um, support mechanisms in place in, in constant coordination with the Capitol Police and the mayor's office.
11: Thank you. Thank you.
1: The death of a second U.S. Capitol Police officer is now suspected of being somehow connected with last week's siege on the, the building, the Capitol yeah, building. This officer reportedly took his life over the weekend and our El Sogamonian has been speaking with an advocate for suicide prevention among first responders. She's here now live with us. Ella, what did that person
19: say? He said that this is an epidemic but now it's probably exacerbated by what we saw earlier last week and that violence has transcended well past that day January the 6th that we will all remember for. A long time to come. Flags are flying at half staff for an officer killed while protecting lawmakers and now for another who is believed to have died at his own hands while off-duty. Police escorted a funeral procession in Washington, D.C. on Sunday afternoon to honor slain Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick. Officer Sicknick died on Thursday from his injuries after he was struck in the head with a fire extinguisher while trying to fight off a violent mob that descended at the U.S. Capitol. He, along with four other people, died. Now we are learning that friends and family are mourning the loss of another who served on the front line that day, except 51-year-old Capitol Police Officer Howard Liebengood reportedly took his own life. It's not clear whether his death was connected to Wednesday's events. Retired Walnut Creek Police Sergeant Michael Sugru is an advocate for first responders and suicide prevention.
20: As a law enforcement officer, you are much more likely to die at your own hands at the hands of another. And most people aren't aware of the actual numbers. Um, this year so far, we've had two reported law enforcement suicides. And last year, we actually had 173.
19: The police union shared condolences for Officer Good, saying he was a 15-year veteran of the USCP force who worked to protect the lives of the members of Congress, their staff, and all who serve at the US Capitol. But Sugru says a stigma in the industry for admitting concerns over mental health may stand in the way of officers likely been good, asking for the help they really need.
20: We are simply people, we're human beings. And we have to go out there and do a job that most don't wanna do and would never do. And it's just constant exposure to negativity and trauma. And it just builds and builds and builds. And the issue is that the culture and the stigma of asking for help is what is the real issue. And that's preventing officers from raising their hand and asking for that help that they need.
19: There are resources out there for first responders specifically. They can, of course, still call the National Lifeline, 1-800-273-TALK, or the Cop Line at 1-800-267-5463. They can also text BLUE to 741741. We will have that information up on our website, cronfor.com. Live in the studio, Ella Sigimonian, Cronfort News.
21: And Of course, this is not just a, a, a shameful behavior by President Trump. It is a shame in front of the world. Uh, it is an embarrassment in front of the world. And let's go to Clarissa Ward right now, uh, who is in London. Uh, Clarissa, what is the reaction uh, from world leaders uh, uh, to this? Let's start with American allies. Uh, what are they saying?
17: Well, I think there's a mixture of shock, disbelief, horror. Uh, We are hearing very strong words coming from world leaders like Boris Johnson, the prime minister here in the United Kingdom. He said, disgraceful scenes in the U.S. Congress. The United States stands for democracy around the world and it is now vital that there should be a peaceful and orderly transfer of power. That sentiment also echoed by the Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau who said uh, Canadians are deeply disturbed and saddened by the attack on democracy in the United States. Our closest ally and neighbors. uh, Violence will never succeed in overruling the will of the people. Democracy in the U.S must be withheld and it will be and we're definitely seeing as well Jake the gloves are coming off if anyone of the US's allies had tried to adhere to diplomatic norms had tried to avoid calling President Trump out by name and laying uh, This blame at his feet. We're now seeing a change in that we he's seeing the Irish foreign minister saying a deliberate assault on Democracy by a sitting president and his supporters the world is watching Jake
21: of course, it's not just our allies that are watching. It's our enemies as well, uh, countries uh, that do not stand for democracy, do not stand for human rights, do not stand for the freedoms uh, that uh, the America tries to serve as a, the shining city uh, on a hill, as Ronald Reagan once said. Uh, what are they saying about this, those who wish the United States ill?
17: Well, it's interesting. Quite a few of them are still remaining circumspect at this stage. Presumably, they don't want to be seen to be gloating. But what I found very interesting, Turkey, which is not necessarily uh, an enemy of the U.S. or anything like that, though there have certainly been strong disagreements, uh, particularly in recent years, uh, with President Erdogan at the helm. They released a statement saying, "We invite all parties in the U.S. to temperance and common sense. We believe that the U.S. will overcome this domestic political crisis and maturity, and we recommend that our." Citizens in the U.S. stay away from crowded places Jake this is exactly the kind of language that we are used to reading in a U.S. press release to American citizens who might be in a city in the Middle East during a crisis or a riot of this nature it is astonishing to see this sort of language being used by a country like Turkey warning its citizens of the dangers uh, of walking around the, the United States Capitol
21: all right, Clarissa Ward in London. Thank you so much. That is so discouraging to, to hear, but it's, it is not. Contact. It is not unexpected. We've been talking about this now uh, for weeks. How can the United States uh, and look? The United States does not always live up to the standards that that we hold for ourselves or that we impose uh, upon the world. Um, but how can the United States issue a statement about a, an election in Belarus or an election in, in Venezuela? when the United States uh, is experiencing this right now because of President Trump and his enablers?
22: I mean, look, the the United States is not, as you said, always, uh, you know, right about everything or always, uh, you know, doing the right thing in, in accordance with our values. That's not that's clearly not the case. But in this particular case, when it comes to the fundamentals of democracy. From beginning to end, this has been uh, an embarrassing chapter in American history. From the, the point at which President Trump, uh, even before the votes were counted, was calling for the count to stop because he didn't want uh, you know, additional votes to be counted that might come in for Joe Biden, uh, to the point where he continued to talk about fraudulent votes that, uh, that he just claimed were fraudulent because they weren't for him. These are all things that in another country um, would be signs of, uh, you know, a democracy that was not strong, that was failing, that was backsliding. And here we are now with our capital building having been vandalized by violent mobs, that's something we have not seen. We have not seen that in this country in a very, very long time. We have never seen American citizens charging our capital and barging in and putting lawmakers in a lockdown. And I think the significance of that is obviously going to be historic, but it's going to have lasting impacts on the United States and our ability as a nation to uh, export democracy around the world, which is a key pillar of our foreign policy.
21: A horrible day for America, a horrible day because the president of the United States is not able to acknowledge reality and because he has inspired his followers to commit an act, many acts of domestic terrorism.